Hey everybody, I'm Devin, and you are listening to Spooky Spoilers. Okay, thanks for listening. So It Follows was released in 2015. David Robert Mitchell directed it. He wrote it and he produced it. Um, David Robert Mitchell has directed Under the Silver Lake, The Myth of the American Sleepover, and Man Alive. I personally haven't seen any of those. I haven't actually seen any of the movies that any of the producers have made so that's um interesting but i think they all came together to make a really good movie so like i said david robert mitchell was the writer producer and a words sorry a writer director and producer some of the other producers were rebecca green she has produced downtown owl Susie gold and in the hands of god like i said i haven't seen any of those laura d smith she has produced The Quarry, And Then I Go, and That Evening Sun as well. Eric Remesmo, he has produced The Hero, Kicks, To the Stars. And then our last producer is David Kaplan, and he has produced It Comes at Night, Beach Rats, and Good Night Mommy. Let's go ahead and get into ratings for this movie. So the IMDb rating was a 6.8, and then the Rotten Tomatoes rating was 95%. I was excited to watch the movie, considering the ratings are, like, pretty high. But anyway, let's get into some fun facts about the movie. So the film's concept was actually derived from a reoccurring nightmare that David Robert Mitchell had. Apparently, he had this nightmare, like, starting in his childhood, and it just stuck with him, I guess, like, for life. Uh, And it was this nightmare where this thing would be following him, and it would just slowly be walking toward him throughout the entire dream. And then he would eventually wake up, you know, right before whatever it was got him. We've all had dreams like that, you know, where something's following you, and it's coming after you, and then you wake up right before it gets you. Well, apparently in his dream, this thing that was following him, sometimes it would be people he knew, like his parents, his friends, his grandparents. Sometimes it would be a face he had never seen before, but it was always just ominously, very slowly walking towards him, you know? So that is where the concept of the movie came from. The movie was filmed in late 2013 in Detroit, Michigan, and it first premiered at a film festival on may 17th 2014 it was eventually released to the public first in france on february 4th 2015 it was then later released in the uk on february 27th 2015 and then it finally hit the u.s in march i mean the words march 27th of 2015. the budget for this movie was 1.3 million dollars and they had a gross income of $23.3 million. So I think they did really well. I know I read one time or maybe I saw it. I don't, uh, I don't really know if I like watched it in a TikTok or read it somewhere. So it's not actually from like a reputable source because I don't even remember, you know, who put out this information. But I read that you're supposed to do at least like 10 times your budget uh in in hollywood for a movie to be considered like good um 
Actually, you know what? I'm going to stop recording and I'm going to look it up and be back with that information. Okay, so I'm back with that information and the website says that a movie to be profitable typically needs to make three times its budget for production. So yeah, I would say they did really well. <laughs> um, anyway, where was I? Yeah, so $1.3 million budget and then worldwide gross income of $23 million. Another fun fact that I came across when I was researching these movies, and basically what I do when I research the movie is, or my whole process is I will watch the movie one time without researching anything, and I'll write down like my first thoughts. And then I will go through, research the director, producer, the cast, fun facts, behind the scenes things, and then I will watch the movie for a second time. And that's when I will do the episode after that. So I usually watch behind the scenes videos on YouTube. I will read interviews, like articles, things like that. And one of the fun facts that I read about this movie was that the main character, Jay, and if you watch the movie sometime in kind of near the beginning, um, Jay goes to the ice cream parlor where her sister is working and she ends up calling her Jamie. So you realize that Jay's real name is Jamie and apparently this was actually on purpose. They named Jamie after Jamie Lee Curtis because she starred in the Halloween movies and Halloween was kind of an inspiration for this movie. Uh, or this movie gave tribute to Halloween in a few different scenes. So one, Jamie, the name, they put that in there. But in the scenes where she, Jay is like looking out the window and notices it outside, those are kind of tributes to Halloween and how, you know, she was looking out the window and saw Michael Myers or whatever. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, and also the music is very similar. I thought the music in this movie was amazing. It was really creepy. And it was the creepy that makes you like turn your volume down. You know, like not because it sounds bad. I, it was really well done. It was just like so creepy that I was like, God, this noise is going to make me lose my mind. So. Oh, and then this was just a little tidbit that I saw. Uh, Mike Lanier, I think that's how you say his name. Um, he was the tall man in the movie. He was actually seven foot seven and he was a basketball player and he was also known as one of the world's tallest twins. So I thought that was really interesting. And he actually passed away in 2018. So RIP, I thought that was really sad. It was sweet. They had a video online, like a tribute to Mike Lanier. So I just thought I would mention that, that he did uh, end up passing away in 2018. Let's get into some of the cast. So Jay is played by Micah Monroe. I had never seen her in any movies before, but I did really, really like her acting. It was very genuine, and she just brought a lot of emotion to the screen. And I'll talk about some of her interviews in a second, but... Um, you can tell that she did a lot in regards to like putting herself in the mindset to play a role like this, but uh, we're going to talk about that in a second. So anyway, Mike Monroe, she plays Jay. Hugh 
the guy who kind of starts all this crap, his name is Jake Weary. That who that's who plays him. Paul is played by Keir Gilchrist, and I saw him in it's kind of a funny story like a really long time ago. And so I had never seen him in another film other than that one. So when I saw him, I was like, oh my god, I love him. Anyway, Kelly is played by Lily Sepe. And then Yara is played by Olivia Lucardi. Oh, I forgot one. Greg is played by Daniel Zovada. All right, let's get into some behind the scenes. So these are mainly like interviews with the actors, the directors, the producers, things like that. I didn't really find many interviews from producers other than uh, David Robert Mitchell. Like I didn't find any of the other producers and he was the only director. So I didn't get many perspectives of people on the production crew other than him, but I did uh, see several interviews with the cast. So Micah Monroe in an interview said that the entire time they were filming, which it was like a five week period, she had headphones in and she secluded herself from everyone else on set. And she said that this helped get her in a better mindset to act to play these you know really intense scenes and uh I just thought that was interesting that she really went all in you know like she was so focused on making sure that she gave the scene her all and she could actually get into that emotional frightened state that she didn't want to like have fun with the other people because she thought that it would kind of distract her and make her not be able to focus or you know, control her emotion. She didn't want to like break. Michael also said that filming this was physically and mentally exhausting. She said there was so much uh, like sobbing, running away, screaming, and it, it was a five week period. So you could just imagine like on a daily basis, you have to put yourself into this kind of mindset of, or attitude of you're literally being chased and something's trying to kill you. And so you're really trying to get into character and like I said before, she said in an interview that she secluded herself the entire time. So she said that this role was pretty taxing, like on her mental and, you know, her body. Considering, uh, we'll, I'll mention this probably in a little bit. I know it's in the notes somewhere, but it was, oh, it's actually right here. Never mind. It was in Detroit in October and November. So it was literally 32 degrees outside. And if you've seen the movie, you know that there are scenes where she is like in a pool, uh, an outside pool and an indoor pool, but she's in like shorts and a tank top. She's in a very, you know, short sleeveless dress. Like she's freezing, you know? So, and she said (laughs) that in the interview, she said, oh yeah, like I was so cold and I was just looking around at my like co-stars who were bundled up because they weren't on the camera that day or something like that. And I was like really jealous of them. Mike and Monroe actually said that David Robert Mitchell took 10 days to write the script, which is insane to me. 10 days to write a script for like, what is it? An hour and a half long movie, I think. I'm not sure. That is insane to me. Oh, and I watched an interview with Daniel and Micah where they were just discussing the movie, how they thought about it, how it was filming, things like that. And Micah was describing the scene where Hugh comes up behind her with a rag and puts it over her face and like drugs her with something. 
during the movie i was wondering like what the hell is that substance on the rag because if it was chloroform like you would have been out in a second you wouldn't have had to struggle that hard so i was wondering this whole time what the drug was and micah turns to daniel and was like it was like oxy oxycontin wasn't it and he said yeah and so i was wondering like i didn't know that you could liquefy oxycontin put it on a towel and use it to knock somebody out so that was interesting to me i'm actually now i have to stop and look up and see if you can actually do that all right i'm back i looked it up for a solid like 10 or 15 minutes and i cannot find anything online that says that oxycontin works like chloroform or that you can liquefy it and like knock somebody out with it or that it is bad for you to inhale it all i could find online is like obvious don't snort it inject it or whatever so it was just trying to give me a bunch of fucking like addiction hotline numbers um so i'm pretty sure if anybody goes through my search history now they're gonna think i have a problem but anyway that scene kind of bothered me when i first saw it because i was like chloroform doesn't take that long for you to knock you out so now that I researched that after they like said it was supposed to be oxycontin I just feel like I don't know that scene was not done as well as it could have been done but anyway okay so I'm going to give a short concise description of the movie <laughs> last time I went like scene by scene into detail of everything that happened in the movie and that is why the episode was like an hour long that and it was a comparison episode so anyway here comes a very short description so you basically have this girl named Jay and she hooks up with this guy named Hugh and then he basically straps her to a wheelchair and shows her that he has passed on a curse to her. It's going to follow her wherever she goes. And she needs to get rid of it by sleeping with somebody else as soon as possible. And he said, whatever you do, don't go into a place that only has one exit and don't let it touch you. So she goes home. She tells everybody, everybody being, you know, her siblings and her friends. They don't believe her at first. They tell her, you know, like everything's fine. But she's seeing these people follow her. So then weird things start happening and her friends start to believe her all of her friends except for one so her friends are yara her sister is kelly there's paul and then there's greg greg is the one who doesn't really believe her still so he's just kind of along for the ride you know he's the only one with the car so he's the one driving them around so then basically Jay and Greg hook up in the hospital, by the way, which was wild. And um, for a few days, he's fine. Like, he doesn't see anything. Nothing's following him. It's all good. And then it shoots to a scene where Jay is in her bedroom looking outside from her window upstairs. And she basically sees Greg walking down the street in his pajamas. But it's obviously not Greg. Like, yeah, the body is Greg, but it's clearly whatever that it is, the entity. So it breaks into Greg's house and kills Greg, basically. So then everybody clearly knows that what's happening is real. And Paul, who has been simping for Jay like this entire time, volunteers himself. He's like, well, you could pass it to me. And she was like, no, I'm not going to pass it to you. Like, what the hell? So then he comes up with this plan, which is actually a really shitty plan. It's incredibly stupid but he comes up with this plan to 
basically electrocute the monster or the whatever it is. So they go to a pool that's like on the other side of town. I think it's abandoned. And they wait there for it to come because it follows her wherever she goes. So you just have to wait long enough for it to come to you. And they set up a bunch of appliances all around the pool and plug them in. And they have Jay wait in the pool. And they're basically hoping to get it into the pool. And I'm thinking get Jay out of the pool and then throw all the appliances in. Like, I don't really know how they thought this was going to work. David Mitchell actually said that he knows their plan is really stupid, but that was the whole point. Like, his whole purpose of including that dumbass plan is to show that that is likely what teenagers would do. You know, like, you're 16, 17 years old. You're being followed by a curse that you got when you hooked up with this guy. Like, how are you going to try to get rid of it? You know, like, this is in their minds, the best option. So that's what they're going with. So that is not what happens. <laughs> when it arrives to the pool, it does not get in the pool with Jay, like they anticipated. Instead, it starts throwing the appliances at Jay. Thankfully, it doesn't, their plan doesn't work. It doesn't end up electric electrocuting her, which I don't know why it didn't. But thankfully, maybe, you know, there was a short circuit and it didn't electrocute her but he the thing that it whatever is like throwing these appliances at her and hitting her with them she gets hit in the head her head's bleeding and then eventually uh paul gets a gun and he starts shooting at it and then it gets it falls into the pool because it gets shot and then as jay is trying to swim out of the pool it grabs her ankle she finally gets out because Paul shoots it through the head. And then the last scene or the last image in that scene is Jay kind of leaning over the pool, looking into the water. And the water is just fill, filling up with blood, basically. Everything is turning red. So that's the last image from that scene. The next scene it cuts to is Paul and Jay hooking up. So they, you know, think that the it is gone, whatever, and they decide to hook up. So that happens, and then they visit Yara in the hospital because Paul accidentally shot her in the leg when he was trying to shoot whatever that curse is. And then it cuts to a scene of Paul and Jay walking home, holding hands. And it's the camera is following behind Jay and Paul walking home, and then suddenly it cuts to a different frame where it is facing Paul and Jay. So you can see their faces and you can see what's behind them. And you see a guy walking behind them, you know, like five to ten yards away. So there's not really a conclusion in this movie. You know, there's no definite, oh, we killed it. We're fine. Everybody's going to, you know, live happily ever after and get away from it. Yeah, you see the blood dispersing into the pool. But who's to say that it really died. You know, who's to say that whatever's following behind them right now isn't the entity and it's coming to get them that night. So I think the ending was purposely left up to interpretation because, you know, there's the possibility of a sequel or they just want to leave you questioning how it's going to end. But that is the gist of the movie. Okay, so now that I've given like a rundown of the movie, if you want to tune out now, that's fine. I'm just about to take like a deeper dive in and kind of go over 
my first thoughts while watching the movie, which does kind of go scene by scene. It's not going to take forever, but let's see. I have one, two, three, four, four pages. It won't take that long, I promise. Okay, so the opening scene is this young girl, like, when I say young, she's a teenager, but you know, she's a young girl. She runs out of her house and she's wearing like this silky nighty set, like shorts and a tank top with red high heels. And she's like running out of the house, which I, in my notes, I literally wrote the fit stereotypical running in heels, but you know, she's getting it. Like, I don't know how many times they had to practice that or film that scene to get it right without her tripping. Or if she's just naturally that talented running in heels, but I I could never do that. But anyway, I did watch an interview of David Mitchell saying that, you know, people had made comments on that scene and said that's very stereotypical to have a girl like running in heels from whatever this thing is chasing her when she could easily just take them off and make the situation better. And he said that he left that in there to kind of allude to classic horror and how in every horror movie you see, the girl is either like wearing incredibly high heels and running and falling all the time, or, you know, people are just doing dumb things to get caught in horror movies. And so he kind of wanted it to feel like that. The I mentioned this before about the music being very much like Halloween, like the Halloween music. It is so very Halloween. You can definitely tell that that's what they were alluding to and that they got inspiration from that. And I think that the music in this movie was amazing. It definitely gave me chills, put you on high alert. Oh, yeah. So in one scene... Yara is Yara is obviously like a bookworm. She loves reading, but she's reading from a seashell. Like it's this electronic device that's in the shape of a seashell that opens and closes. You can use it like a flashlight, like you can a phone, but she's basically using it like a Kindle, like an e-reader. It's really odd because they don't tell you what like time period this movie is set in and everything is very just all over the place and weird and ominous and makes you feel it just puts you on edge because their home is decorated very much like my great-grandmother's house was and they're watching tv on really really old tvs like tvs that look like they belong in the 1950s you know the little box ones that you have to go up to to change the channel and turn it on and change the volume and in jay's room she actually had a TV that had like the bunny ears, you know, the little antennas on it. So that is odd that they have like these older decorations, older TVs, even older cars, like Hugh's car and Greg's car is pretty old. But then they also have newer cars and some of them dress in newer fashion. It's just very odd that they don't, you know, specify like the time that they're in. And then you have electronics, like that little seashell reader that Yara is using but then none of the teens in this movie have cell phones so like it's just very odd you know and they all have landlines corded phones that are in their house so very interesting skipping to the scene where Hugh and Jay go to the movies this is just reiterating how it's odd 
that they don't specify what time like period they're in and that Yara is reading from like a, an electronic device because at the theater they literally had somebody playing what I think is the organ and I have never been to a theater where they play music in the theater when you're watching a movie you know like I've been to a performance theater where they where they play music but never like a movie theater you know which is what they were going to so that was really odd as well so they go to this movie and they play this game and basically Hugh is pointing in the corner to somebody who's not there and he freaks out he's like I want to leave I want to go so that was the end of their day that night they end up going on another date they had to walk through the woods at night to get to this like beach where yeah I guess that's cute the beach but they sit down and you know they're canoodling or whatever on the beach but when I saw that beach it looked like the beach from the opening scene where or after the opening scene where that girl from the opening scene dies so the girl from the opening scene who comes running out of her house and heels she later goes back into her house comes back out gets in the car and drives somewhere she ends up at a beach where she calls her parents and she tells them that she loves them and then the next thing we see is her on that beach dead like hello dead mangled you know it looked pretty bad so it looked like the same beach which i just thought was interesting like i don't know if they were trying to do something there but it very much looked the same but i wrote in my notes a date in the woods at night count me out like i could never do that first of all I know that it's a scary movie and I know that it's supposed to be like scary obviously but sometimes I just think like this is not realistic who what girl would go on a date in the middle of the woods at night that's no 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 no. touching on the mom in this movie we don't really see much of the mom I think we maybe see her in a total of like three scenes and the movie kind of alludes to the fact that mom is pretty absent and she might drink heavily all the scenes that we see mom in she has a bottle you know and in one of the scenes she's like passed out in the bed and there's like an empty bottle of wine and kind of like half a glass of wine sitting on the counter so anyway we don't see a lot of mom I don't know how many times I can repeat that I love the music in this movie but I I wrote it again I'm going over my notes and I wrote it again so the music like I said is amazing and this one scene where Paul is staying over at at their house and they've had just some creepy stuff going on lately so Paul's staying over there to like you know make sure everything's okay um Paul goes upstairs to tell Kelly to call the police and Jay hears something like in a different room so you know very stereotypical movie like she goes into the other room to see what it is and she sees this girl there who very much looks like somebody who belongs on wrong turn i know that sounds terrible but like her teeth are hella wrong turn-esque and if you've seen wrong turn you know exactly what i mean it's just like her teeth are very fucked up that sounds so bad but you know what i'm talking about like she looks scary and her eyes she has all this like really dark makeup on her eyes and then her left boob is just like hanging out of her top it's it was so odd but she was also the craziest thing about it was she was peeing herself like she was walking towards Jay and the entire time she was just like pissing all over herself and it was going like all down her body onto the floor like it was really gross and unsettling 
And I was like, wow, what a scene. Like that is wild. And it it just kept zooming in on her pee and then zooming in on her face and her teeth. And I was like, okay, shit, like turn this off, you know? So that scene was kind of that scene was kind of wild. So eventually after Hugh initially tells Jay that he's passed this curse on to her. She goes home. She tells everybody about the curse, things like that. After weird things start happening, that's when they decide that it's probably a good idea to search for Hugh. And turns out Hugh is not his real name. He was using a fake name and renting out an apartment in the area. So they hunt him down. They find his real name and they go to his house and they talk to him about like what's going on. And he basically gives her a more in-depth you know, conversation on what this thing is. And he tells her that even though he passed it to her, he can still see it, that she has to pass it to somebody else and tell them what to do, you know, because if it kills her, it's going to go after him. So if you don't pass it on to somebody and they don't pass it on to somebody and, you know, if the chain doesn't keep going, it's going to come back. And eventually, if you don't do it, it'll kill you. It'll come to me. It'll go to the person before me all the way back to who I started with. So that's what he tells them and then they go to the house that Hugh you know quote-unquote Hugh was renting and there were like cans strung up in front of all the windows and I'm assuming that was to like make noise if anybody came into the house so he would know in the middle of the night if it was coming to get him so then Jay does that to her house Greg, like I said, they end up hooking up. So he kind of inserts himself into this situation. And he didn't believe in this, like, force, this evil being to begin with. So honestly, I think he was just seeing this as an opportunity to get laid. He was like, you know what? This girl's, like, freaking out. She's saying she has this curse. She has to get rid of it by sleeping with somebody. I definitely don't believe in that. So, like, might as well get laid. You know what I mean? And they had slept together in high school, according to the movie, you know, like that's what the narrative was. So I guess, you know, it was whatever, but I just thought that was not hilarious because it was sad that he died, but very humbling to know that he was like, yeah, I don't really believe in this shit. I'm just gonna, you know, like hook up with you and see what happens. And then he ends up getting murked you know that was sad but anyway so before greg dies though they there is a scene where they're all at a beach and what looks like yara starts walking up behind jay even though yara is actually in the water and since nobody else can see it and jay has her back turned to it it just walks up behind her and kind of like yanks her hair but it yanks her hair up in the air and everybody can see it so they all run into like a little shack that's nearby and this is when that young guy or young boy who was watching Jay like in her underwear and in the pool that's when he basically like busts his head through the door and his eyes are all black and it's it was kind of they it almost looks like his eyes weren't there they were just like black holes it was really really good they do a lot of practical effects in this movie which I appreciate because for me personally practical effects are going to scare me a lot more than CGI will I just know that from you know my taste in movies and what gets me and what doesn't the next thing i have written in my notes is when i came across the scene of greg and jay hooking up which i thought was hilarious because they literally hook up like in the hospital because jay so at the beach after that boy like sticks his head into 
the door, she runs out and like runs and gets gets into Greg's car and drives away. And everybody's like, yo, you're like leaving us here. And as she's driving away, you can hear Greg like running from behind saying, that's my fucking car. So like she's driving away, ends up getting into a wreck, not too far down the street and she gets broken arms. So she, she hurts her head. She's in the hospital and her and Greg end up hooking up in the hospital, like in the hospital bed. And I was like, girl, what are you doing? Like, what if, a, what if a nurse walks in? That is wild. Anyway, so whatever. They hook up in bed. Uh, I wrote in my notes, this goes to show men will willingly sign up to get killed for some, you know, whatever. But so, you know, flash forward, she's out of the hospital. This is coming up, leading up to the scene where Greg is about to get killed in his home. So this scene where she's looking out of her window for a second it kind of zooms into the trees like above greg's house and i didn't have my glasses on when i was watching this like either time and the screen was a little bit dark so i was looking really really hard because i thought somebody was in the trees like and the whole time there's nobody in the trees so i (laughs) it kind of bugged me that they focused so hard on the trees because nobody was in it but it definitely made me think that there was there were several times throughout this movie where they set a scene up where I would think like something's about to pop out so I kind of got a little bit of anxiety and like nothing came out of it so I was like oh okay but then they would throw something else in that I totally wasn't expecting so this movie definitely kept me on my toes so after they stopped fucking around and zooming in on the trees that's when we see Greg walking down the street like I said before and in an earlier scene like right after the whole Hugh and Jay thing happens when she finds out she has a curse. Paul stays the night and the kind of kickstarter to the thing following her is that something breaks into her house that night. So you hear the window break and then, you know, the whole rest of the movie happens up until this point. Well, then at this point, you see that thing, which is Greg walking down the street and it goes up to Greg's house, tries to open the door, the door is locked. So then it grabs the rock and it throws the rock through the window. So that's showing like a clear MO for this entity or whatever the fuck this thing is, that if it's going to try to go through your front door and if it can't, like it's straight up just going to break through your window. So that definitely relates back to the, you know, soda cans on your window thing to make noise. So, you know, when it's breaking into your house. Uh, But I thought it was really funny because like the way that Daniel, uh, Safado, I think is his last name, the way that he jumps into the window of, you know, his house, like that's the actor's name, Daniel. But the way Greg jumps into the house is so funny. He literally just kind of leaps in headfirst through a window and you just see his feet like slide through. I don't know. It was really funny. So then we see like imitation Greg go into the house and Jay is trying to call Greg to wake him up, tell him what's going on, and he's not answering. So this brave-ass girl runs into Greg's house to try to help him. Like, she jumps in through the window, and she can hear knocking, really loud knocking. So she goes upstairs, and it's Greg's mom knocking on his door very aggressively. But we all know it's not Jay's mom just because the vibe is off. You know, like, we could tell that's not, you know, not Jay's mom. So... Then she's yelling and she's like, Greg, don't open the door. Don't open the door. So then the knocking just gets louder. And then we see the door swing open and Greg's like, mom, what the fuck? First of all, if I ever opened the door and met a woman in my family with the words, what the fuck, I would be knocked into next week. Like anyway, but 
whatever. Greg opens the door and is like, mom, what the fuck? And then <laughs> this is wild because it's always it's always the left titty. Like, I don't know what it is, but he opens the door and it's his mom standing there. But like her left titty is hanging out. And in that scene before where that girl was standing in the kitchen, like pissing herself and her titty was out, it was her left titty. I don't know why. But like it was just, that was just really funny to me. So his mom's standing there, you know, barbecue sauce on her titties. No, I'm joking. But anyway, whatever. She was standing there with one boob out. And then there's like a popping noise. I don't know what the popping noise was supposed to be about. That was kind of weird to me. I was like, these sound effects aren't really matching up. It's like what is happening in the scene, which was kind of odd. But she like pounces on Greg, you know, the mom, which was you know weird and then there was this loud like almost popping almost like a gunshot sound but I don't know how to explain it so then Jay like runs into the doorway to see what's going on and disclaimer this is about to get weird so if you don't want to hear it like just skip ahead but she goes into the doorway and basically sees Greg's mom like fucking him to death it was so weird it was really really weird like Greg's mom is on top of him, like grinding on him basically, and he's just like dead, dead, dead. Yeah, it was really weird. And there was like electricity. It it kind of panned over to like their waists where she was like on top of him, and she was just you know like doing the motion of the ocean or whatever. And there was like electricity popping between them. It was really weird. And then it cuts to like his face, and he's just laying there like dead. So she runs out of the house and it that was just a really weird scene in the notes. I literally put the mom is literally fucking him to death. Dot, dot, dot. Wow. That's different. So anyway, I don't, I don't really know how to feel about that scene. Like I'm trying to think of another movie that's done some weird ass shit like that. And it's always when you try to think about something that you can't come up with an example, but that was just a weird scene. I kind of, I was kind of left like shaken after that. I was like, what the hell is going on? But you know, whatever. Oh yeah. So then Jay gets in the car and basically drives to this place in the woods and then pretty much falls asleep on the hood of her car and like sleeps throughout the entire night in the middle of the woods with no protection, which I thought was fucking wild. I was like, it just broke into Greg's house and you're going to willingly sleep out in the open in the middle of the woods. Like, baby girl, what are you doing? So anyway, whatever, I wouldn't have done that. But then she wakes up miraculously okay and hears like noise, like rock music through the woods. And she walks through the woods a little bit and gets to this beach where she sees three guys on a boat in the ocean. It doesn't show it, but we can very, we can all very much like infer from context clues that she swam out to that boat and like hooked up with all three of those guys to pass it all to them. I think we all know that's what happened because, like, she walks out, sees the guys on the boat, and then starts taking her clothes off and getting in the water. And then, and, like, she's seeing them while she's doing this, like, staring at them while she's doing this. And as she's getting into the water, you can tell she's, like, aiming her sights at them, which is why I'm saying I pretty much know that she, like, went out to that boat and was like, yo, y'all want to, like, get jiggy or something? I don't know, you know? So then... It cuts to her driving home. Her hair is wet. She's crying. So, like, sad, you know. 
I literally wrote LMAO at the fact that Paul volunteered himself as tribute and then asked why she picked Greg in the first place. So when she gets back home, she's like talking to Greg. I mean, fuck, sorry, talking to Paul. And this is before he con- concocts this idea of like electric. Yo, I cannot talk today. I don't know what is up electrocuting the the monster. You know, this is before he came up with that plan. So he's kind of like butthurt because he's been simping for her this entire time. And this is when he tells her, he was like, you can pass it to me. And she was like, dude, no, like, I'm not going to do that. And so he was like, well, you know, I liked you too. Like, why didn't you pick me? Why'd you pick Greg? And like, that was just a whole funny scene. Like this girl's literally getting chased by a demonic entity. And you're just like, why didn't you want to fuck me? You know, like whatever. Anyway, whatever. Typical nice guy. Paul is typical nice guy. So they come up with this idea, we're gonna, you know, get it into the pool, throw a bunch of plugged in appliances and just zap it, you know. So they're pulling out of the driveway, Paul's driving, and they are on their way to that, you know, old abandoned pool where this whole thing is going to go down. And as they're pulling out of the driveway, there is a naked man on the roof. And they're pulling away and Jay sees that naked man and then they just drive away. And that that scene was just... (laughs) a lot for me because he's just like standing loud and proud on that roof and actually it was funny because it reminded me of something I recently went to pride in San Francisco and I really did not anticipate to see so many men with their appendages out like oh my god it was wild and so there's this one man in particular who had his hands on his hips and was very much like jutting his pelvis out and was just standing there like if you ever did dance he was standing in a wide second position like with his legs spread just standing you know loud and proud and it was fucking wild and that to me is what that man on the roof looked like that's what it reminded me of so I started laughing actually I know it's supposed to be like an eerie moment but that one was that one kind of made me giggle so then they drive to the pool they wait a little while eventually it comes it comes for Jay like we knew it would And at one point, Kelly is like, what do you see? Because they know at this point that it can take multiple forms, but they know that, you know, they still can't see it. They being Kelly, Yara, Paul, Greg, well, Greg's dead now, but whatever. So Kelly shouts out, what do you see? And at this point, we still can't see it, but Jay shouts back, I don't want to tell you. And then when we finally do see this thing that's been following her, it's an older, like, you know, mid-life, mid-age, whatever the fuck you say, man who we actually saw before in the movie. So he's not in the movie like an actor so far, but he was on a photo. If you go back to the beginning of the movie and you look at the mirror that Jay is getting ready in when she's getting ready for her date, there are two photos that are pinned to her mirror. One of her in a pool and one of her as a young child with an older man who we assume is her father. So we know that her father's not in the picture and her mother is an alcoholic who is not really a present parent either. So it makes you question what was that dynamic? What's going on in there? And if they did do a another movie, I would want them to kind of dabble in that dynamic and tell me what's going on there because you you don't I I was kind of left wondering like what's that connection that's obviously her dad and now he's in this last scene 
like trying to kill her that has to be symbolic that has to have some kind of meaning you know so i'm wondering like did he die because so far the people who i mean there are some people who show up to follow jay that we don't know who they are but there are also people like it shows up as yara it shows up as um her dad it shows up as people she knows you know so uh i don't know if that means that he's necessarily like dead or anything but it just makes you wonder like what happened and why is he not around i gotta plug my laptop in before this dies oh yeah so in that scene we know that that is uh jay's dad and then since they can't see you know this thing that is following jay they're kind of just like trying to help her kind of blindly you know and so paul brought greg's gun and so he's trying to shoot around like shoot the thing kill it but he can't see where it is so he's just mindlessly shooting and he accidentally shoots yara in the leg which is sad which is why they end up in the hospital later but what was interesting to me was at the scene in the scene at the beach earlier when the thing like comes up behind jay and pulls her hair and everything and follows her into that shed she shot it like she shot it in the neck and it fell down and then it ended up getting back up and that's why she shut the door and like hid in there until it busted its head through so shooting it obviously like doesn't work which is why i was thinking like why are you still continuing to try to shoot it when that obviously doesn't work but anyway so after accidentally shooting yara Kelly throws a sheet on top of it and you can see the outline of it now. So that's when Paul goes up to it and shoots it in the head and it falls into the water. But then Jay is quickly trying to swim out of the water after it just got shot and fell in. And this was what was odd to me because it's quite slow on land, but apparently really quick in the water because that thing got to her like quick as hell. But she was trying to get out of the water and it grabbed her ankle and pulled her back in. That's when Paul shot several more times, ended up shooting it through the head. She gets out and there's like a clear hand mark around her ankle where it grabbed her like a burn. And then that's when the pool fills up with blood. So that's why I'm saying I'm like holding fast to this idea that it is not over. The reason that somebody is walking behind them on their way home and they're holding hands is because this shit is not over. You know what I mean? So I definitely think. I mean, I definitely hope we're going to see another movie. Uh, I guess time will tell. Like I said, this one came out in 2015. It's been almost 10 years, so I don't know if they'll come out with another one. God, it is wild to say that it has been almost 10 years since 2015. That makes me quite uncomfortable. But anyway. Oh, yeah. I, I have this written in my notes. I felt so bad for Jay in the scene in the pool because she's just constantly getting shit thrown at her. Like, she got a microwave thrown at her. I think a radio, a TV, like just random shit. And then she gets knocked in the head and her head starts bleeding. So, oh, and the the part where Paul is shooting it, trying to kill it while Jay is in the pool, like you already accidentally shot Yara and now you're shooting through water trying to kill this thing that is very close in proximity to Jay. I no you didn't just become a marksman in like five minutes how did you not shoot her you know like anyway whatever <laughs> the next thing i have in my notes is literally damn now she's giving it to paul because even when all the blood came out in the pool i still didn't think it was over like 
I knew something was up because I was like, there's no way. Like, I didn't see it in the pool anymore. It just, there was no way. So I literally wrote, damn, now she's giving it to Paul. But after her and Paul hook up, it kind of cuts to a scene where she's laying in bed and her mother is scratching her back. And she must be in her mother's bed because there is a photo on the dresser that we haven't seen before. And it's a family picture of Jay, her mom, and the dad, the guy who was in the last scene trying to kill Jay and the guy who is in Jay's photo that is on her mirror. So we definitely know that that's her dad. We just don't know what happened. Oh, and then there's this. Uh, so the last thing I had in my notes was um, was Paul driving past sex workers because he wanted to pass it on to them just in case. So like, I know that they are both like thinking, oh, yeah, like we solved this. We killed it, whatever. But then like towards the end, there's the scene where you see Paul driving past like some ladies of the night, you know, some ladies on the side of the street who were sex workers and they're they just kind of stare at him and he just kind of stares at them and then you can tell that for like a split second he's thinking like should i pull over and like pass this to somebody you know but he ends up just going on and yeah so then they visit er in the hospital they walk home and this guy follows them home and you know i've shared my thoughts i think i've said this a million times by this point but i definitely think that the guy following them in the end is another it you know i think it's coming for them still and i'd be excited to see a new movie or i mean another movie um either going into further detail with these two or even the having a spinoff where it follows those three guys that she gave it to you know or just a completely new setting i don't know but i did think this was a good movie um i didn't think it was as good as pet cemetery so I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. But yeah, so let's go back. Yeah, so the IMDb rating was 6.8 and Rotten Tomatoes was 95%. Yeah, so I'm going to give it a 6. All right, you guys, that is it for today. Thank you for listening. Check out the show notes for more information on the movie, like back in, background info, and also this movie can be watched on Netflix. Come back next week because I am covering the movie Barbarian. So stay tuned. Bye.